I'm hearing from my white allies how they have experienced or seen racism, right? I've experienced and seen racism in my own life. I'm also hearing from my Black brothers and sisters how they experience racism on the daily, right? We're all here in this place and we're all having these things come up and we're all experiencing trauma and we're all holding it in our body and we're not expressing it. You know, a lot of times I'm sure that, or I've heard from my white allies, like it got very overwhelming this summer. Like it's easy to go, all right, well, I'm just going to shut down right now. Like we talked about this, like where do I fall in this um, level of activism? There's only so much I can post on IG. There's only so many books I can read. There's only so many organizations I can donate to. There's only so many protests I can go to and still feel like I can live my normal life right? And what I realize is the most important thing is that rest is revolutionary. Welcome to Cosmic Rx Radio, a podcast that gives you real-life tools of spiritual empowerment and pure hype. I'm your host and intuitive guide, Maddie Murphy. I'll be serving up your weekly energy readings, cosmic boss interviews, and astro inspiration. Are you ready to love yourself more, manifest your dream life, and own your magic? Let's jump in. Okay, so hello, everyone. Today, I have a guest that I am beyond excited to introduce you to. This is someone who is a very special soul who I have had the privilege of connecting with deeply over this past year, Carissa Harris. She is a singer. She is an actress. She is a mover, shaker, creatress. She is a social justice warrior. And this Brooklyn-based performer has truly one of the most deep divine callings that I've ever witnessed in, in regards to creating art that is honest, vulnerable, and present. But also in her performances, Carissa believes that theater and working in theater is all about change, whether that's a change of ideology or change of heart. She has taught me so much about how theater can teach others. And Carissa is also a soulful, spiritual fitness teacher. And she teaches us about the embodiment of how we go through transformation from the inside out. Carissa believes in love, kindness, empathy, and compassion as a pathway to collective soul healing and freedom. She has also just created an amazing, powerful, poignant, and much-needed methodology called Revive, which is five steps to heal during the revolution. This methodology, Revive, combines meditation, body, breathwork, and all-around high vibes. And she is also, and probably what I'm most proud of, she is one of our lead contributors and coaches on our Cosmic Fit Club platform, where she shares her morning moon connections teaches multitude of things and is currently leading an amazing, powerful, and super popular Chakra 101 class. So hello, Carissa. How are you? So happy to have you here today. Oh my gosh. I'm blushing. Like if you could see me blushing, the sweetest. You are the sweetest. Hi. Hello. 
How are you? Hi, babe. It's so hard for me. I have such a admiration, soul connection, straight up cosmic crush on you. I'm like, I don't even know how to put this in words. You heard me. I'm like, I can't even just stardust bursting forward is what I wish I could put in this podcast, like an emoji, just stardust emoji. But why don't you also introduce yourself a bit and say hi to everyone and tell them a little bit about all the many beautiful things you do. Sure. Oh, wow. Hi, I'm Carissa Harris. Very happy that you're all tuning into the podcast because this is something that when I heard that Maddie had decided to go forward with creating when I was like, yes, this is definitely something we all need is something I need. I need my daily dose of Maddie Murphy. So I'm very, very, very happy to be here. Feel very honored to be here. And yeah, other than that, let's see, Carissa Harris. Hmm. I am a performer, number one, I would say that. Number two, a pretty chill, relaxed human being. (laughs) I like to be around all of my things and my favorite people. And I like to have very wise and thoughtful conversations. I like to read books and bike around Brooklyn, New York. And yeah, really just get lost in art, all different kinds of art and appreciate meeting new people who are artistic and creative in their endeavors. Other than that, I am totally here for the revolution. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I feel like there are so many societal constructs around us that anybody who's pushing against that, I'm here for, I'm here to listen to your story and I will completely back you always in the corner of those who are feeling less than. As being a Black woman, a biracial Black woman, I have seen all sides of it. So I feel like my calling on earth uh, in this human form is to not only live my purpose, but also help other people feel in their body and feel like they can live their purpose truthfully and honestly, and in a way in which they don't feel constricted. So Mm. So just just that just that old thing you know yeah this is why i freaking love this podcast already even in all of my awkward self cringe moments is because my whole life i have just been obsessed with people who do things in their own way multi-dimensional change maker rule breaker rebel badasses who are like everything you just said i'm like yes 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 and you know we all know growing up there's not like a guidance counselor wow like route to do that. So, you know, this is why I love telling these stories and sharing them because someone out there right now is like, yes, like I want to be all those things. I don't want to just go like pick one major at college and what that's what I am forever. So why don't you tell us a little bit, like, especially the performer piece, because I know you're in New York. I've seen you. I mean, okay. I'm going to say the first time I saw a picture of you, it was like uh, for the cosmic boss program, you submitted it. And I was like, uh, for one, I think we had a sacred thirst trap. And I was like, this human is stunning and is catching such light from the inside out. And then I found out you were a performer. And I was like, I get why some people are performers because like, I really, truly in a non-creepy way, I couldn't take my eyes off of you. Aww. So I think a lot of people out there, being a performer, being an actress, being a singer is one of those like dream careers. So tell me about when, like, when did this interest spark for you? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. 
So I grew up around music and singing. My dad is a vocalist. He was in bands since he was 15 years old. He's still in bands and he's 67 years old. <laughs> so I kind of, he's my hero. <laughs> I like would watch him perform and dream about getting up there with him and performing with him. I also grew up in the church and my aunts and grandma all sang in the church. So music was a very, very big part of my life growing up. So I always knew that I wanted to, like, I remember dressing up in my mom's clothes and in her heels and like putting on lip sync performances or singing along to songs like Janet Jackson or Shaka Khan, like whatever was playing. I was just going to ask, who were you singing along to? Okay. Janet Jackson, Shaka Khan. Love that. Yeah. Mostly Motown and top 40 hits. That's what was playing in my house usually, but I just wanted to perform all the time. So that that was probably playtime for me was like dress up and performing, putting on concerts for my parents. And I never really thought of it as something as like a career choice. It just was always part of what I wanted to do. And when I went to high school, I saw my first musical and it was my peers in a musical called Godspell. And I honestly like didn't even know what I was watching. I was like, wait, these people are like on stage telling a story and singing and dance. This is a thing. Like I had no idea. Like I had seen children's theater when I was a kid, but I was like, oh my God. And they're like my age. Like this is okay for us to do this stuff. Like I didn't know that I could like play and pretend in front of a bunch of people and tell a really emotionally effective story like that shocked me and I think at that point that's when I was like okay how do I do this how do I get involved found the friends that I needed to find to get me into the theater department at high school auditioned for my first musical which was Little Shop of Horrors and was cast in the show and did my first musical and from there that was it that was pretty much okay, is this a thing I can do? How can I continue to do it? Where do I go to do it? All of that. It was- Give me more. (laughs) Yes, give me more, basically. So in high school, at that point, I had gone to see my first Broadway show, which was The Lion King. And I mean, I was absolutely sold at that point. Magical. Yeah. I saw that too growing up. That, I could cry just thinking about how beautiful that was. Okay. Yeah. So then you were like this, this is where I need to be. Yeah. And just applied to colleges that specifically had, you know, a theater arts performing program. I also was looking at liberal arts schools. So I knew that I wanted a pretty much like a very well-rounded education. I didn't want to go specifically just for theater, but that became my primary focus. So I graduated in 2009, I'm telling my age, 2009, (laughs) with a BA degree in major in theater and a minor in dance, and moved to New York about a year out of college and just hit the ground running. Other than this past year, because of the pandemic, I haven't gone a year without performing in front of an audience. I truly believe in my craft, took a lot for me to get there. But that is one thing I will say, like my career always came first. My, my passion 
for performing and telling a story and connecting with an audience always was a priority in my life. And when I'm not doing it, it feels, I feel off. I don't feel quite right. So that's how I know that that's my purpose. (laughs) (laughs) It just feels right. I got chills when you said you haven't gone a year without doing that. Cause like you had that intention, you showed up, you went after it. I mean, it takes a lot of cojones, a lot of big ovaries to just move to New York City and like do the damn thing. So mm-hmm. I'm really just like, you know, I say ovaries instead of balls because like we know that like there's a lot more going on there. Um, yes. <laughs> side note, but like it's like you to do that, like it just takes such conviction and passion and such a deep sense that this is my purpose. And then I love that, like you said, you showed up, you've been on stage and that was right when I met you it was in the beginning of the pandemic. And you were mm-hmm. like, what? do I do without this stage, this, you know, platform, this way of channeling my art? And that brings me to, you know, more present day, you went through our Cosmic Boss six month group mastermind program. That's also slash like a wild portal vortex. And, you know, somewhere along the way in that process, it was really cool for me to watch you, you know, own, yes, I am all these things, a singer, performer, artist, I express, um, I love you know, the body, we're going to talk about more of that with your Taurus son, like bringing people into the body, using your voice. But then I really saw like the activist side of you come out. Mm-hmm. And obviously we had, you know, the tragedies of last spring, George Floyd's murder and the uh, ensuing second wave of the Black Lives Matter protests. And you were out there, honey. Honey was like, I was like, oh no, we're all like two in our part, but like Carissa was in a fucking, sorry, but not, I always cross on here. It was in a <laughs> like bicycle gang looking so badass on those streets, making me so proud. And I was like, wow, this is someone I'm living at your birth chart, which we're going to get to in a moment. But tell me a little bit about like, has this last year shifted anything for you in terms of your activism, the way you show up, especially like you said, as a biracial woman? Yeah. Oh, wow. Absolutely. This last year has shifted a lot for me, not only just in terms of my career and what's next with that, but also really making sure that the steps forward in my performance, in my creative life, always have the air of fighting for what's right. I'm trying to find the specific mm-hmm. words for that, but using my voice in a way that can help others experience and understand and have a bit more empathy towards not only my experience, but a lot of other marginalized groups as well. I think that was something that in college, particularly where theater really called me, where sh- specific shows really called me, because I'd be like, oh, okay, this show's a great show and it's fun and it, you escape from it. But this show, I'm really learning something here. Like I'm taking this in in a deep level and self reflecting than talking about it after. Like the shows that made me take a few days to like process were the ones that I thought were the most impressive and were the most important. So in that respect, because of everything that's been going on, there's a lot happening in our theater community in which specifically Black people, people of color, BIPOC individuals were trying to 
find ways in order to make sure things are equal and fair and right for all of us when we go back to performing. It's hard. It's a hard adjustment. I mean, we're just like America's built, (laughs) you know, (laughs) over hundreds of years of doing things one way. It's the same thing with every organization, every corporation, like a lot of changes need to be made. So I think that that is probably in terms of my career, that's probably like where my focus is right now. In terms of how I felt over the summer, I mean, I found you, I found the Cosmic Boss Gang. I really felt called to my spiritual practice and and finding out more about who I am and what I can do to better myself. But I think we all sat here with visuals in front of us that we couldn't turn our head away from, that we couldn't busy ourselves with. Not to say that I wasn't as involved in the Black Lives Matter movement during what I call Black Lives Matter Part One, (laughs) but I will say the access for me to just go out in the street and yell Breonna Taylor's name was very like heart wrenching still to think about. But I almost felt like, what else is there I can do? I can't create art right now that can express how I feel. I mean, maybe on a small level I can, but not in the big grand scale. But I can be out here letting people know that this is not okay. Things need to change. And I think, you know, I was a bit scared. I'm not going to lie. Being a person of color, at first I would go to like silent vigils that were in, there was like a silent vigil that happened every day at 5 p.m. in McCarran Park in Brooklyn. And I would just go and sit there and like say my prayers and a march would happen after and I'd kind of trail in the back or I rode my bike there. So I would like ride in the back. And then if it seemed like things would get hairy, I'd leave because I'm like, listen, I'm a black person in this street. I am not safe ever. (laughs) So, which is horrible. I laugh about it because it's absolutely ridiculous. But specifically last summer, I was like, I really can't put myself at risk. But once I really started to see like people who didn't look like me in the street fighting for people like me, I felt this sense of safety, the sense of camaraderie, the sense of solidarity, and felt like we were really making a difference. Like what was happening was making a difference. It almost felt like at a certain point, the community all was coming together. Like people weren't angry about it. You know what I mean? People were out on their balconies, banging their pots and pans, yelling along with us, raising their fists in the air. And also being an artist, and I don't want to say a starving artist, I don't believe that about myself anymore. (laughs) I believe that I am an abundant individual. But (laughs) I will say that being someone who's like, I don't have enough money to donate everywhere. You know Mm. what I mean? I still got to pay my bills in a pandemic. So that's where I felt like I could bring the most power, the most voice. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think everything you said, I'm just, I was tearing up at one point with chanting the Brianna Taylor's name because I know you told me how powerful of an experience that was for you. And and I love the thing of we do what we can. Like you can't do everything. And I think that's why people burn out from activism is you want to donate to everything, sign every petition, go to everything. But what you're, what I'm hearing from you is like, just show up, do one thing, do it with your whole heart. And I know you inspired me. You inspired so many of the cosmic bosses. 
I'm sure anyone on your Instagram was just like, oh, like there is something, right? That's like, mm-hmm. oh, like Carissa took that first step. I can too. Mm-hmm. She's not like a full-fledged, you know, running a nonprofit. I think sometimes we think that like activists and, and people in this work have to be so committed and, and go to everything. And you're like, oh no, there she is doing what she does, which is like, you know, be on her bicycle, being that strong presence and she's showing up wholeheartedly. And there was something, at least for me, that was very inspiring. Because I think when we look at massive scale racial injustice, inequity, we get so overwhelmed. It's a question, how is one person, what what am I going to do for this? And obviously we saw this summer, well, when every one person does it, soon enough, it's like a large percentage of the population. And, you know, I just want to commend you for for showing up so beautifully, for being such a strong example. And while doing it being you, you know, just Mm. bringing yourself fully to everything, which I guess helps me segue into, I always tell people and my clients that like, your block is your blessing. Like the thing when you feel stuck, the thing when you feel like, shit, I really wanted to go that way and you get that detour, but there is something why it's happening for you, you know, not to you. There's some kind of magic in that moment where you feel stuck. And so for you not being able to be on stage and not being able to do the normal things, even in a moment like this, you know, watching such horrific acts, you know, happen in front of us and being really confronted with everything that's like in the shadow of our culture as a society, you know, there could be, obviously we could distract ourselves being busy. I don't think that's what you do, but even maybe your art form would have been, yes, I want to like you know, bring this to the stage. And instead it's like, well, I can't. So I'm taking it to the streets instead of the stage. And then you took it one step further and created a whole damn methodology. <laughs> Hold that, channel that. Well, so tell me, tell us a little bit about Revive Methodology, Five Steps for Healing During the Revolution and how, how that came to you, the inspiration behind it. Yeah. So I had read with a group of individuals me and white supremacy. And I had never read it before. I almost felt like, I don't need to read that. I'm a black person. I'm experiencing this. And I think everyone should read it. I think Mm -hmm. it's required reading. I think it's very interesting, especially now we're dealing with a lot of AAPI hate. So we all need to check ourselves. We all need to take a step back and realize how much white supremacy controls our lives on the daily, because everything we do is informed by white supremacy. Our capitalist society, gender norms, sexual orientation, like it's ridiculous. It's all born on the idea that one is better than the other. Also, then there's like hierarchies within that and it gets so sublevel and it's so ridiculous. So for me, reading that book this summer with a group of people, I really was able to like check myself and like realize, all right, well, here are the ways in which I benefit from white supremacy, not only being a biracial individual, but also being an educated biracial individual, also having a job, having a voice, understanding that there are so many ways that we who feel we are superior, right? need to like cut the shit, cut it out and unlearn norms and really make change. So that was kind of where Refive kind of came from. It came from the idea that 
I'm hearing from my white allies how they have experienced or seen racism, right? I've experienced and seen racism in my own life. I'm also hearing from my Black brothers and sisters how they experience racism on the daily, right? We're all here in this place and we're all having these things come up and we're all experiencing trauma and we're all holding it in our body and we're not expressing it. You know, a lot of times I'm sure that, or I've heard from my white allies, like it got very overwhelming this summer. Like it's easy to go, all right, well, I'm just going to shut down right now. I, I don't know. Like we talked about this, like, where do I fall in this um, level of activism? There's only so much I can post on IG. There's only so many books I can read. There's only so many organizations I can donate to. There's only so many protests I can go to and still feel like I can live my normal life, right? And what I realize is the most important thing is that rest is revolutionary. That rest is so important. Mm. Taking the time and not feeling guilty about resting, meditate or sit and watch a movie, do whatever you need to do to like decompress. So when you come back, you can be ready and aware and available to the people that need you. So that was probably number one. That's where Refive came from. But I also thought, you know, I was feeling really anxious. I was feeling really depressed. I was feeling kind of hopeless. And it's not a good place to feel when you really want to be active and in a, a big part and making change in our world. So Revive came out of the idea that I needed to release emotions that I was feeling. I needed to reach through with my body, all of these sticky, icky parts that I was feeling. I needed to revive my thoughts. I needed to revive my spirit. And then I needed to rest ultimately. So that's where Refive comes from, five R's. <laughs> and using all of these things, creating your own system. I have a system for myself, but realizing that doing all these, all these five things together really helped me reset. And then I could come back in stronger for the next point in the, in the fight. It's so huge. Oh my God. I'm just receiving all, I'm receiving all that, the six <laughs> R because, you know, a few years ago when I first started to like study activism work, it was 2016, obviously, you know, what brought that on? Why I was like, we got to wake up out here people. Like, and I was like, mm-hmm. I am problematic AF. Like I have been complicit in so many problematic structures and I did that thing. I went gung-ho just on every activism Instagram, donating, going to circles. And, you know, I burn out. It's just, Uh and I watched other people in the space, other activists burning out. And I was thinking at the time, I was like, oh, they're just, you really need like the intersection of spirituality and activism because remembering like why you're doing it, like the spirit and also trusting in something bigger than yourself too. Because it can get daunting when it's just like you up against this like huge system. It's yeah, like being up against that ship in the Suez Canal, I could just feel a little bit like we're just pushing against it. But you know, when you're tuned into the energetics, uh, spirituality, people, you know, community, but also the self care, yeah, component of it, like knowing that it's okay to rest, that you're not this machine, that it's not just okay, but you should. And what I saw with you when you went through this, like to me, it felt like the biggest like exhale because I was like, yes, I think everyone is looking 
for one, an excuse to say, okay, you can take the gas off the pedal. You're going to put it back there like in a little bit, but like, you're going to burn out your clutch. If you don't, you know, pull it back and here's some steps of how to do this. And it's still in a way that's intentional. It's not like, oh, I escaped, you know, I just went on a five day Netflix binge and I'm escaping reality. It's like, which is fine if you can do that in a little doses, but it's saying, here are some tools to recenter our central nervous systems went through such uh, extreme overload of like information we were processing and the anxiety and the news and the social media feeds and the doom scrolling. So a way to give people a place to do that very intentionally is something that I was like, this is what this space needs. Like a place for whether you're an aspiring ally who needs to like refill your cup or whether you are, you know, a person of color who's just like trying to get through the day with the onslaught from the media and the trauma porn and the worry for your friends and family and, mm-hmm. and wondering how it's all going to work out to people who are activists, you know, on the front line, been doing this work forever. And now it's like, Hey, we got your back. We're helping you. You've been doing this for a while on your own. We're sorry. We didn't come in sooner. You actually rest, revive yourself. It's something that I think everyone could you know, gain so much. And how can people book that? Like, do you do that virtually? Yeah. So right now I've been doing just little webinars with it, or I've offered it like to friends of mine, just giving them like some ideas if they're feeling a little bit burned out. I like the idea of it in a group setting because to me there's something about remembering that we are all in this together and that we can't really make change without one another and it is that solidarity you know I use the tagline you know for your heart for your soul or for your heart for your spirit for the collective soul because Mm -hmm. truly like and it's something interesting that you brought up is that, you know, you take the reins for a while, then I take the reins and you you sit back and you sit back. It's like, yes, also when you are taking a moment, and this is something that I think is so important. And I don't know where I learned this. I don't know if it's something you taught me. I'm not sure. But when you're taking care of yourself, you automatically are taking care of other people. Mm. Like when you are doing the good work, on yourself, when you are loving yourself and respecting yourself and self-healing, you're immediately helping everybody else around you because you're more aware of what's going on inside. So you're able to hug everyone else with that same energy. If you're choosing not to work on yourself, you're going to be a bit more abrasive. You're not really, there's going to be things that fall through the cracks when you're trying to commit working to bringing everybody else together. So really, I mean, Refive 2, I had thought about, you know, potentially, I mean, if once we're out of the COVID quarantine pandemic, my dream for it would be we're all in this retreat, right? And we're all doing these things. We're all sharing our experiences. We're all creating outside of the experience too. You know, we're creating art outside of it because, you know, I feel like when people see art, I mean, it's like I said before, like the shows that meant the most to me were the ones where I'd see that, I see a real human experience, have a real emotional, empathetic connection to it. And it would sit with me for a few days and I would learn something from it. That is my goal for- Mm -hmm this methodology is that we're able to share our experiences and realize that we're a little bit more alike than we (laughs) were taught. 
We oh, are. Oh my God. A little bit. I know. I'm like, amen. Amen, sister friend. Louder. One more time. Put this on repeat. Repeat back. Press that 30 second rewind. Turn it on louder. Listen to it again, everyone. It's so true, right? Like when we heal ourselves and take care of ourselves, we can show up so much clearer for everyone else. And then this retreat, this vision, I'm holding this in the light for you and the storytelling component. And this is a great segue into looking at your birth chart because you, which I'm so excited for, I love telling people's stories through their chart and getting to highlight their superpowers. And you have so many, but your vision, even the collective soul, like that tagline, well, why don't you tell everyone your big three, your sun, moon, rising, and then I'll jump in. So I am a Taurus sun. I am an Aquarius moon and I am a cancer rising. Woo woo, 29 degree cancer rising. Oh, I know. <laughs> Normally I do all the chart reading, but because you, Carissa, are a two-time magic of you student, I'm like, I'm just saying stuff you know right now. So that's the big three, what a big three it is. And what I wanted to start with was your Aquarius moon. Because mm-hmm. all this while you're talking, you know, for anyone listening, your moon is your emotional center. It's what you need to feed, to feel whole. It's the part of you that maybe the world doesn't always see off of a first glance, but it's like your internal compass. It's a lot to do with your inner child's like needs, what they either you know need from you or maybe needs that weren't met growing up, or it's a part of us where a lot of our intuition and creativity flow. I always think of our moon as like our cord, like our umbilical cord to like you know, our higher self, the higher realm. Like how do we, how do we feed that? How are we aware of it? It's also where we have to, you know, be aware of when we're tense, tired or triggered or hangry, like go to the moon. What does the moon need? And your moon is in Aquarius in the eighth house and Aquarius moon, like hearing how you're so lit up by this. It's like Aquarius is the the revolutionary, the visionary whose vision isn't about themselves. It's about the collective. And so how can we move the needle further? How can we leave this world, our society, this place, you know, better than when we left it? And Aquarius Moon's like, no, I'm in it for humanity. I'm in it for the whole damn pie. Like everyone needs a piece of it and I'm not going to sleep until I do. And especially in the eighth house, you know, transformation name of the game for you. So even like hearing about this transformation you went through in the last year, I'm like, that's just so speaking to your moon. And even I think if you don't mind me sharing how you channeled your class. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> like you told me like our moon too is where we just get information from. Like I said, it's an umbilical cord. It's like a feed that we have directly to like a higher place. And that's why I always say, I'm like, get to know your moon. The first step of astrology, like, get to know your moon. Cause you'll show up so much more emotionally intelligent around you. You can nurture yourself, ground yourself, soothe yourself, understand like, why do I do that crazy thing I do sometimes? And also then when you open that up, it's like opening up the pipeline. And you tell me about that you were, you know, putting together notes, being very diligent for weeks, thinking about this, but then you did a yoga flow and it just like, you wrote it all down. Like yeah, just broop from the universe, from a, you channel, you channel that shit. Immediate, immediate download. It was like, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew the five steps. I was trying my best. I was writing out notes. Like how can I, and it, was so clear. It was like, I got in my body and I just was in that place of meditation and focusing on moving my body. And it just came right at me. I was like, Oh my God, where's my pen and paper? I need to write this down. 
I love that. I think that speaks so beautifully to your moon and and your sun, which I'll talk about Taurus in a moment. But this is why like I'm so passionate about astrology. And yes, I love the like memes and the horoscopes and all, but really it's just understanding yourself and your blueprint, understanding like your soul's purpose, mm-hmm. potential, and how to get there, how to work with, you know, your own rhythms and tides instead of trying to swim against them. And so when you said that, I'm like, of course, my Aquarius moon, Taurus sun was in her body, be in that moment, and then trying to tune into something for the collective and it just came through that moon of you. So that is such a beautiful like iteration of Aquarius moon. I will talk about like the more sticky element of Aquarius moon. And maybe I have so many Aquarius moons in my life, my life wizard, my sister, I, so many of my clients and they are some of the coolest people I know, or like give off an energy of their son of someone who's you know confident, successful, badass. But each one of them, when I talk to an Aquarius moon, they're like, uh, what am I doing here? Does like anybody like me? Like there's a certain like awkwardness of the Aquarius moon. Does that resonate with you at all? Or no? I've always thought, does anybody like me? <laughs> and I just realized. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the true <laughs> octave of Aquarius moon, right? Like we are all in this like spectrum of it. And there's like the lower spectrum, the lower frequency. That's like, because I always say my Aquarius is you're my angel aliens. You are so high minded and so visionary that sometimes it could be like human interaction, like chit chat, small talk, like, mm. No, thank you. I always say Aquarius's placements are here for humanity, but sometimes humans, it's like, what? I mean, this is, uh, I, I can't even tell you like how many times throughout my life I've always been like, never like really outside of the group. Like I'm in the group and I'm like doing the thing with the group and I'm like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> no. Like, And then all of a sudden I would think about it a little too much and I'm like, am I even like a part of what's happening right now? Like, I don't, I feel so outside of it. And like, (laughs) I just, it's funny too, because I realized that I communicate more through like nonverbal ways, Mm. which I understand has a lot to do with my son. But I realized that when, when I don't have to communicate with humans, (laughs) in like ver in verbal ways, specifically people that are close to me and they just get, there's like a nonverbal wavelength happening. I'm able to, it, I can relax a little bit more. So, but I, I have always felt a little bit like, do these people even like me? What am I doing here? <laughs> oh my God. I love that. So yeah. There we have it. That's like the full spectrum. You just illustrated of the Aquarius moon journey, like from the highs and the highs and the lows and the lows. So I feel like everyone who's an Aquarius moon right now is like, yes, I, I, I feel that deeply in my soul. And then let's talk about your Taurus sun. So we know that Tauruses have, again, another reason why I wanted this podcast was get beyond like lazy one note astrology. And like, you know, you go to a meme and it's like, oh, Taurus loves food. Taurus is stubborn. Well, it's like, well, yes. Let's break down those things. And so your Taurus son, I would say Tauruses are the builders of the Zodiac, but I really think of them as like love warriors, mm. which I think some people might associate more like Aries with warrior, but I, I don't know, man. I'm like every, cause Tauruses show up when I said before about the street energy. It's like Tauruses get their body where it needs to be. 
And then you're not moving them. When a Taurus sets their sight on something that's like, no, this is wrong. And you're so ruled by like the heart with Venus energy and you're ruled by the throat and using your voice. Then I'm like, don't sleep on Tauruses. Yes, they love, but after they are the warrior, they will go home to their like Egyptian thread count sheets, gorgeous meal they prepared, a bottle of like vintage red and a bougie candle. Lit. But like, do not. <laughs> So much more than that. So that is you like through and through. You took a picture last year in tourist season of yourself, like looking off in the distance. I think you were maybe in the desert or something. Yeah. And I was like, that is the Taurus warrior energy, like earth warrior connected to the earth, connected to the heart and like unmovable in their conviction. But I will say the Taurus stubborn archetype usually comes from, or that like Taurus, you know, stubborn, like prejudice comes because it's about you need to feel everything with your five senses. Like you said, it's not always verbal. So if someone asks you to do something or changes a plan on you abruptly or does spontaneously does throw something at you, if you can't process it with your five senses and, and drop into your body with it, then of course you're going to dig your heels in because like this doesn't feel safe to me. I need to process this. So I always tell like my Taurus is like, just ask if you could sleep on it. Ask if you can have, don't apologize for slowing down, which mm-hmm. is also what you're teaching people in Revive. Mm-hmm. But that's something that like has resonated with you on your journey of like, sometimes you're like, oh, like, I feel like I'm coming across as stubborn, but it's actually because I just need to like be with this a little bit more. Yeah, I think, you know, in relationships, like familial or romantic, the biggest thing, like if there's a conflict, I am the first person to one, detach because of my Aquarius moon, but then also say, can I have five? Can I take five? Because like, I need to process this in my own time. And also, when I always use this analogy, but I'm like, for me as a Taurus son, I'm pretty chill. I'm pretty chill. I'm pretty chill. And I can take being baited by that matador red flag for ages. I can take it. I'm like, yep, I see you there. I know. <laughs> I know what you're, I know you're coming at me. It's fine. But when it's time, I will ram it. I, <laughs> I will see the red and I will go for it. I will be angry. So I try my best to be very slow to get angry. <laughs> So that's why a lot of times I'm like, yeah, I need like, I need to sleep on it. You're right. I need five minutes to like, not, I'm not trying to be stubborn. I'm just, you know, taking my time, figuring it out for sure. Such good. First of all, I love those moments in life when you kind of realize like how we, because like you said in the beginning, we all have to be aware. Like that's our job. It's not to be perfect humans, but just to be aware and Mm -hmm. start to like shift accordingly and to just know, like maybe younger you would have been like, no, I'm going for that red flag. But then like, you know, as we get older, wiser and you're like, okay, I see you with that flag. I'm going to let it go for the first nine times. (laughs) And now like, I'm going to give you a warning. Yeah. And I'm going to charge, but like, okay, maybe I need to go like, yeah, take a nap, breathe into this stretch, be in those five senses, do something to like get back into that body space. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's such good. If any, any Taurus listening, like I always tell them like your self-care is to slow it down, yeah. slow it down five senses. Do not let other people rush you. And I always say that every Zodiac archetype teaches us. There's a reason why, like we all have every, you know, sign of the Zodiac within us, but some people embody it more. And what you're teaching the people in your family or your relationships or myself even, and what you did through Revive specifically is like for all of us, like 
our reaction in our society is when something isn't going well, we want to do something is to speed up, is to do more, is to go faster, right? And like, it's like, and we all get like short circuited and, and we get more frustrated. And then we feel like being choked back by something and we're overwhelmed and we're anxious and we have too much on our plate. And like Taurus is here to teach us like, actually like maybe do less right now and pull it back, like slow down to speed up. Or maybe like, maybe you're hungry. Maybe like, did you remember you have a body? Like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> you know what'll make you feel better? Cranky pants, like a little, a little nap. Literally. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like stop bleeding so much from your emotional world and kind of like take Just, it back and give right. your body what it needs. What does your body need? Exactly. I love that. And do you feel like, okay, actually I'm going to shift gears. I'm going to go into your rising sign because we share the same rising. Yeah. So I'm like, sorry, Taurus, moving on to cancer rising. <laughs> so your ascendant is cancer, which means that you have the moon as your chart ruler. And I know we had gone back and forth with your birth time and we didn't know if you were a cancer or a Leo rising because it was very cut. It was like to the minute it was like <laughs> your mom told you one time and your dad told you another, but it yeah. turns out you are a cancer rising 29 yes. degrees. So you're ruled by the moon, which is why I love that you're doing the morning moon connections in the mm-hmm. cosmic fit club. Like you working with the moon, I always tell my cancer risings, like first element of self-care, find out what's going on with the moon because- yep. Our personality, you and I, it changes every two and a half days with the moon, which has helped me understand so much of myself personally. But for you, as someone who I think could identify as a Leo rising, as a performer, as someone who's on stage, all of that, what have you learned about Cancer Rising that that resonates with you or that has helped you understand yourself more? Yeah. You know, the rising sign was always the sign for me that I was the most confused about. Like, I was like, I don't really understand. I know I'm a Taurus. I get, I know I'm through and through a Taurus. I get why I'm an Aquarius moon, but rising was so so hard for me. And I think it is part of that 29 degrees that like, I'm the very last hint of cancer. (laughs) (laughs) But also what I've learned is that I really am, my friends, my, my really close friends always call me mama. They're like, okay, mama. Okay, mama. Mm. And they say, oh, you're our earth mama. But I think it's that energy of like taking care of always making sure the people I love are taken care of. I do love to nurture. I am so in tune with the moon. Like I almost feel like my own moon cycle catches up and I'm like, wait, this isn't time. What's happening? (laughs) I'm also like very, very, very called to water, Mm. to the ocean. I feel like at any time where I, where being in my body isn't enough, I have to go to big bodies of water. I have to be Mm. around water. And I seem to be able to like settle myself down a little bit. What other ways do I feel called to my cancer? There are are some negative things too, (laughs) I will say. I do feel the need to fix a lot of situations, <laughs> trying to relinquish that control a little bit. There are times where I can be a, a bit passive aggressive, which I really don't like. So I, I try my best not to, but it does happen at times. But yeah, I, I think it's interesting because when I was going through this whole process, of trying to figure out, am I cancerizing? Am I Leo rising? Am I, my friends were literally like, oh, 
you could be a Leo rising. You're definitely a Leo rising. Like, are you serious? How do you, like, you walk into a room and like eyes look at you and like, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't feel that energy. Like, that's not like, yes, I understand the curls, the hair, the performing energy, the like warm sun energy. I get that, but there's something else there. It doesn't quite feel like that. Now I know it's because I'm that 29 degree, but <laughs> you're right there. You're flirting with the edge. You're flirting. You can like see Liam across the street. You're like, Hey, Leo energy. I feel you. I'm feeling your heat, but I'm still cancer here. I am still everything you just said for anyone who's learning about cancer, everything Carissa said, like cancer is the sign of the divine feminine and, you know, connected to the moon and connected to that kind of mother archetype, but many, many archetypes of the feminine, but that's one that comes through very strong, wanting to nourish others and take care of others. And one thing, you know, your rising is the energy you give off. It's like your aura and it's how people like perceive you. It's also what motivates you. And one thing with cancer rising, I always find that cancer risings are very familiar feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's like familiar. The word family is in that and mm. cancer rules the family. But like, like even when I met you in that picture, it was Leo rising. You did catch my attention of like this person's a star. But then when we actually talked, I was like, I've known this girl forever. Like I'm like, there's just a familiar energy. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right off the bat, like we just jumped right into it. And then I love that you did point out because, you know, you're a good astrology student of pointing out the shadow energy. We all have shadow and light. Everyone does. I am sorry. I hate to break it to you. It was the first time you've heard it. But I, as a Cancer Rising, can resonate. Like one of our things is trying to help everyone do everything at our own like martyrdom expense, but the passive aggressive, because that crab that moves side to side, Cancer is the crab. We don't go like directly at things. Sometimes it's like, Oh, we're mad. Just like, mm, like just like shut down and like you can figure out why I'm mad. Well, I, oh, well, I strategically slam this cabinet door. What me? No, I'm fine. Oh, it's just funny how you said you were going to do that thing. You didn't do it, but it's okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. I feel, I feel red for filth right now. Like, why are you doing this to me, Maddie? I know. I know. <laughs> Cancer rising game recognizes cancer rising game. Like, no, I know that life. I live that life. But it's so, you know, it, it's such a gift to understand that part of ourselves. And the moon really in the chart. I love what you said about like syncing up with the moon. And I'm so happy that you're working with it so much and, you know, doing all of your work in the Cosmic Fit Club. And when you said morning moon connections, I was like, yes, cancer rising, like do that. People will love that. And you have um, a really, really strong connection to the moon. And one thing I wanted to ask you, there's so many things in your chart that I want to dive into, but I want to ask you what, if anything, that you're working towards in the next like six months or a year, but I'll give you a second to think about that. And I do want to point out, you have another similar placement to me, not to make it all about me, but I can't help it. When I see things, I'm like, okay, I know how that feels. I know how that feels in your chart. Yeah. And I see you have, we have your Mars is in Gemini. So right now you're going through your Mars return. Oh, I did not know that. Okay, cool. So wondering, like for the past few weeks, have you felt like an activation of energy or have you been feeling like a kind of during your Mars return, you can feel like a boost of energy, you can feel really inspired. Gemini is like air Mars, so it can get really like thought idea driven, but it can also feel like in your Mars return, a time where you're just getting like your mojo back a little bit. You could feel because Mars is like that drive, that desire in us, like how we go after things. Has there been something that's been sparked in the past few Um, weeks or no? I I would say 
my ideas are always firing. So making sure that I like take the time to write them all down is definitely a big thing. I've been feeling this intense like need to get back to normalcy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, I'm like, okay, cool. Um, I'm over being in a year of mm-hmm. not sure what's happening next. Like, when am I going to perform again? When am I? And it might not even be like me acting towards it, but more like thinking, all right, when am I going to perform again? How can I get back into performing again? And I like decided to just kind of take control and not wait for my old job to open back up to pay my bills. I'm already working at a new place because I was like, I need something that is going to keep me in a routine, keep me going. I will say that I've been a little bit more like having ideas about getting a job in which I'm actively on camera, meaning like Mm. not necessarily singing and dancing, acting, but, you know, like maybe being like a fitness person Mm. or teaching through Zoom classes, which I kind of do with you guys who the CFC. So I'm happy about that. Very grateful. But also like outside of that. We'll we'll share you. We'll share you. The world needs you. So we'll share you. Anyway, listening to this, if you have a platform, get Carissa on it and thank me later. Thank me later. I love, I think that's such a beautiful blending of all sides of yourself, the performing, the wanting to help people, you know, being in the body. You are, you are so fun to watch on screen. You have such an ease and such an, again, approachability with that cancer rising, but such a command of your space. So I would pay attention from now until April 23rd because Mm -hmm. your Mercury and your Mars, um, Gemini Mars is like sitting on those your own Mercury and your Mars. So Mm -hmm. ideas, communications, connections, and Gemini in your chart, there's a few things. It's two, the number two, like one or the other, it's communications. Uh But I usually find when someone has that in their chart, like if you're going to your Mars return in Gemini, you might meet someone like that's the other. So you might meet like a person who's like, you know, a great networking or the person who's going to kind of help you partner in a certain way or collaborate. So I I would pay attention to that. And I won't spend too much time on it, but I had to laugh because on your Mercury, you have also your Chiron in Gemini, oh. which I carry too, which we were laughing about before we got started. That like we both sometimes have issues with like talking in our speech, which is why I think it's funny I started a podcast because I had my Chiron. My biggest wound in my birth chart is about using my voice and speaking. So yeah, yeah I... Man, when I found out my Chiron was in Gemini, I was like, this makes so much sense. Like the way my thoughts run a mile a minute, which is also that Gemini quick energy, but then trying to like pull them down to speak is like hard sometimes or finding the right words is hard sometimes. The other thing I will say is I definitely feel like they're either ancestrally maybe or in a past life or earlier in my life, I know that this was true, feeling like I had to hold my tongue. I had to bite my tongue. I couldn't say things or express things that I wanted to say. I felt like I couldn't express every emotion, you know, like I had to bite my tongue a lot. I don't know if that had to do with my upbringing or like I said, ancestrally, if that has to do with you know, being a Black person and not being able to speak up, which might be why I'm like so about like opening my throat and saying what I need to say now. I also will say something that 
I was thinking about when I found out my Chiron was in Gemini is that I love to sing. I've always felt like, and this is kind of coming full circle, like, but since I was a kid growing up around vocalists and singing, it's always been that that one place where I could feel less stress, where I could express myself emotionally, either through other people's words or creating my own. So I don't know. I think singing for me was a way, it wasn't speaking, but it was a way for me to release emotion. That's so beautiful. Because I was going to say that your Chiron in your chart is where your biggest wound is. But I always say it's also where you like tap into your biggest magic wand. It's where you're going to heal yourself and you're going to heal others, heal and inspire yourself and heal and inspire others with that same thing. That's why part of the spiritual journey is like going into the discomfort, sitting in the shit, doing the things we don't want to do, because that's where all of like our power is, all of our medicine. So I love that you said that. And you know, the very thing the Chiron Gemini, the words, but then the singing is what was so healing. And that now you are like, you have reclaimed your voice and you use it in such a powerful way. And like, where would we be without that? Not in a good place. Like, and so it's such a good invitation for everyone. If you don't know your Chiron, research it, go to it, look at it. It's not going to feel good maybe in the beginning, but like, keep going, <laughs> get through that, that moment. As Chris has so beautifully illustrated, there, there's so much to unlock and to understand about yourself through that placement. Okay. I'm not going to give you too big of a spoiler, but I will say that what you just said about being on stage, being on screen, I would keep pursuing that, find out the people, the connections, keep your eye out for that. Gemini also rules like your local community. So poking around, seeing what's going on. And I know it seems far off, but don't worry. But like next year is going to be a big year for you in growth. But 2023 uh-huh. is going to be a massive game-changing year for you in your career. And being put, awesome. put out, put out center stage energy. So think about the decisions you're making leading up to that. Say yeah. yes, trust yourself, expand into your journey and, and trust where you're being led in those little, like what you just said. I'm like looking at something in your chart. I'm like, yes, keep. Okay, great. Keep doing, keep doing that. Follow that, follow that Aquarius moon <laughs> intuition. Well, Chris, it's been so, so amazing talking to you. I could do this forever. I could literally go into every aspect of your chart, but we'll we'll leave it at there for today. But I do want people to know where can they find you? How can people work with you? What where where are you? Where can they get you? Yeah, absolutely. I do have a website that does need to be updated. So don't judge me. I'm gonna do it on my own time. Totally. But <laughs> my website is www carissaharris.com, K-A-R-I-S-S-A-H-A-R-R-I-S.com. And you can find me also on Instagram. I'm at Carissa N. Harris. So just adding an N in there. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Same thing on Twitter, on Facebook. I'm on all of the things. Okay. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, your stardust, your superpowers so beautifully with us. And I'll see you soon, baby. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate you. This is so fun. Thank you for everything you do for me, for us, and for the community. You're wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. 
If you want to know more about Cosmic Rx, head on over to thecosmicrx.com. And if you really love this show, I'd love it if you left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I super love hearing from you and reading your reviews. All right, you cosmic baddie, tune in next week. And until then, remember, love yourself fully, work your magic, and take no shit.